Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good Friday. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word, would you make us aware of how sacred Jesus is? Would you help us to see the wonder of this day? Would you help us to have hearts that would grow in devotion, willing to give glory to you, to the eternal Son, to the Holy Spirit that proceeds from the Father and the Son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what he has made, so that they and we are without excuse. Jesus, the Word, is God and was God, and he is the embodiment of the Word that generated all of creation. And with his Father and the Holy Spirit, from eternity past, there was a conspiracy. And we see the conspiracy referred to in Romans 16, verses 25 and following. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret, for long ages past, but now is manifested by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, that has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith. Ephesians 1, verses 3 and following, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the, the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have a redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. 
He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory." He made man, and he knew what Adam would do. And he knew what he would do. He had a plan. He had a plan. And Isaiah, as we sing, twas foretold it. Isaiah twas foretold it. So would you stand with me, and we're going to read the text of the sermon that we've read part of already in in the service. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut, out, cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he would see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, And he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It was time. The conspiracy had long been in place, and it was time. 
And Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that he might receive the ado- that we might receive the adoption as sons. He, that is Christ, is the fullness. Colossians 2, 9, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Jesus is the fullness of God, and the fullness of God was revealed in the fullness of time. His life was a life of active obedience, keeping God's law perfectly. Hebrews 4.15 says, "For For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Life was a life of passive obedience, freely giving himself to be the propitiation for sin, enduring everything that he endured in his humiliation. Philippians 2.8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. John Murray writes in Redemption Accomplished and Applied, we cannot allocate certain phrases or acts of our Lord's life on earth to the active obedience and certain other phrases and acts to the passive obedience. The distinction between the active and the passive obedience is not a distinction of periods. It is our Lord's whole work of obedience in every phase and period that is described as active and passive. And we must avoid the mistake of thinking that the act of obedience applies to the obedience of his life and the passive obedience to the obedience of his final sufferings and death. The real use and purpose of the formula is to emphasize the two distinct aspects of our Lord's vicarious obedience. The truth expressed rests upon the recognition that the law of God has both penal sanctions and positive demands. It demands not only the full discharge of its precepts, but also the infliction of penalty for all infractions and shortcomings. It is this twofold demand of the law of God which is taken into account when we speak of the active and passive obedience of Christ. Christ, as the vicar of his people, came under the curse and condemnation due to sin, and he also fulfilled the law of God in all its positive requirements. In other words, he took care of the guilt of sin and perfectly fulfilled the demands of righteousness. 
he perfectly met both the penal and the perceptive requirements of God's law. The passive obedience refers to the former, and the active obedience refers to the latter. Jesus took our sins on himself, and Jesus lived absolutely perfect without one sin. This is what made reconciliation with God possible for us. It's what made what we call imputation possible. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our sin is imputed to Christ. He made him to be sin. He made him to be sin. His righteousness is imputed to us. We're justified by faith in God pronounces the righteousness of Christ on us. Where does our sin go? God pronounces our sin on Christ. And then he crushes him, as our scripture says this morning. Christ substitutes for us, atoning for our sin, paying for our sin. There are so many themes in Isaiah 53 that we could go into this morning, but I just want us to concentrate on one little one. I want to spend a few minutes on verse 7 of the text. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. When is it good to be silent? When is it good to be silent? Ecclesiastes says that there is a time to be silent and a time to speak. There's time for silence. When is it good? Well, there are several scriptures that you could probably tell me. One is from Proverbs 17. It says it's good to be silent when you're a fool. It says, even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. Another place you might think of is that it's good to be silent when you're before your betters, your superiors. In Job 40, it says that Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand over my mouth. It's good to be silent, or at least to make no excuse, when you stand guilty before a judge. We see this in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah is is lifted up to heaven, and he hears the, the angels calling out to one another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations and the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, 
because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He had no excuse. Woe is me. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. But this afternoon we look at Jesus, and we see in Matthew 27 that it says that while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. Now Jesus isn't a fool. And Jesus is not an inferior to those men who were accusing him. And Jesus was not guilty. And yet he was silent. He was silent in front of those who had brought the accusations, those wicked, wicked men. I was thinking to myself, what if he had spoken? What if he had spoken? Remember the the text I read at the beginning. And God said, let there be light. In the beginning was the word. Everything that was made was made through him. This is talking about Jesus. This is the Jesus whose sacred head was wounded. This is the Jesus that we've been singing and praying and and hearing testimony of this day and in this service. The same one who spoke into existence or who embodied the word speaking into existence every bit of creation. And he's standing before men who are accusing him. He's standing before his creatures who are accusing him. And I'm thinking, what if he would have spoken? What if he would have unleashed, just just unleashed toward them just enough of the creative power necessary to make a tulip? What if just enough of the creative power necessary to make a petal of a tulip. And we realize just a tiny bit of the injustice and the humility happening in one place at one time. Although he was God, he intentionally disregarded his claim to equality with God the Father. And so in Philippians 2, we're told to have the attitude in ourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on this cross. The fullness of God, the incarnate word, stands before his creatures, accusers such as you and me, and he answers not a word. In the song that Curtis sung at the beginning of the service, we hear 
themes of injustice, calling us to look at the necessity of his humiliation and passion and suffering. But this song should have many more verses. Perhaps a verse for every second of his incarnation. Were you there when he waited in the womb? Were you there when he slept upon the straw? Were you there when he worked in Joseph's shop? Were you there when he went to someone's wedding? Were you there when he walked on dirty streets? Were you there when he hugged up all the children? Were you there when he answered not a word? I realize that there's a ramping up. But if we don't see who it was that hung on that cross, we won't understand the ramping up that occurred in the week of his passion. We won't understand the horror of him as he's whipped and mocked. We won't begin to understand the awful, awful injustice as God exercises justice. His whole life and death were the active and passive obedience, culminating on the day that we refer to as good. It is good. The good news is what makes Good Friday good. And like Isaiah, we realize that we have unclean lips and that we must have the application of a coal from the altar applied to them. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Christ's sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Passive and active. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may manifest, be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. And having the same spirit of faith, according to what it is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. The word of God has spoken. The word was silent. We should have been silent 
and should be because of our sin. But because of Jesus' work, we can speak. And what does he say? I believed, therefore I spoke. What does he speak of? He who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us and present us with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we look to you with gratitude and thanks, knowing that you have given to us a very precious gift, the value of which we cannot measure. As we start to look into it, we only realize that we'll never be able to comprehend it. And yet we rejoice and we give you thanks. We thank you, Lord, that our Savior gave himself willingly to be sin so that we might be saved from our sin and have his righteousness. Lord, make us thankful and grateful today and give us faith so that we may speak the truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.